Welcome to the Rare Faith Podcast, where the solution to every problem is only an idea away, and where the same activity with just a little more awareness always yields better results. Award-winning, best-selling author, Leslie Householder, brings some of her best information to this inspiring series of life-changing episodes that you won't want to miss. Show notes for this episode can be found at ararekindoffaith.com. So, Leslie, what are you working on at this time? What should we be patiently waiting for? <laughs> oh, well, I know some of our listeners have read The Jackrabbit Factor. I promise it's an experience that will change your life, but right now I'm working on the sequel to that book. And it's interesting the way things work because I sat down to write the sequel and I realized that in order to accomplish that, I needed to give a little more foundation to the beginning of the story, and it turned into a prequel first. Ah. So it it actually wraps around 10 years prior to that very first argument in the story. Wow. Uh, Just for those who have not read it, it's about a couple who are at the end of their financial rope, and they get in an argument at the beginning over money. And that's the beginning. Well, in the sequel, you know, at the end of the story, there's something that I'm not going to disclose, but for the sequel, I answer a piece of what happens at the end, but in order to do that, I had to back up 10 years prior to that first argument. So actually, this next book is going to sandwich the jackrabbit factor right in the middle. Mm -hmm. It'll be 10 years prior and another 12 years after. So there is a lot that is going to come out in that on how to apply these principles in real-life situations. It's going to be out of the parable dream scenario that the first book is and into real life, and uh, you'll get to see how these work in real life. Well, I can't wait. And I hope we check that out. (laughs) Um, Last January was my first goal. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. Yeah, you set a goal in stone, but the plan is in sand. So, you know, I missed my first objective. This is what's interesting is I was writing the story, and I got halfway done by January, which was my first objective. And I knew, I knew so clearly that the reason I couldn't finish it is because I had not yet experienced the life situations that needed to be integrated into the story. I had not experienced them as a person. And so I put the book down, and I just got back to life and waited for what those lessons were going to be, and they came. They came, and it culminated at the beginning of July, and it became clear to me why I couldn't write until I had experienced that. And so now, next week, I'm going back up to the mountains to work on the book for a week, and we'll see how far I get. That's right. That's right. You know, I'm so thankful for you to share that with us and to let us know it is okay even when you think you're in the middle of a project and your flesh and your human part has a deadline. (laughs) It is good when we are obedient in knowing that it's not about us. And it's okay to put your pen and paper down and say, okay, Father, I'll go about your business and you will redirect me when it's time to pick that pen up again. Because a lot of people would be focused, you know, I have to have the book out, I have to have the book out. But it's not about having it out. It's having all the information out that is needed to add value to our lives. 
And we need to be very flexible and obedient to universal laws. You know, and every idea from conception to reality has a gestation period that is finite. Mm -hmm. And if we knew what the gestation period was for each idea in each person's life, then we could set the date and say, yeah, I know that will happen on that date. But Mm -hmm. since we don't know what those gestation periods are, and in reality, a seed in nature, the gestation period can vary depending on the climate and depending on the environment. And we are like that. Our idea, that idea you have in mind is only a six-month idea. But you create the climate for that idea. You can speed up the process with your faith. And sometimes it's planted in the wrong season, and you have to wait for another cycle before the earth is ready. So we don't know, but what we do know is that just like when you're expecting a child, you might have a general idea because of thousands of years of people saying, you know, this took about 40 weeks. (laughs) We have a pattern. (laughs) And we know that, yeah, generally it takes about 40 weeks. It can take less. It can take longer. But but look at this. If you get to your quote-unquote due date, Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you do not have the baby on that day, does that mean you're not pregnant? That's right. No. It just means that the time wasn't right. And thank heavens it didn't come. And so what I've decided is that when I don't reach my goal on the date that I set, which was nothing more than my best guess on the gestation, that's Mm -hmm. all it was, then I say, wow, you know, the next day I am even more expectant. And the day after that I'm more expectant. I don't look at it as like, oh, I guess this won't happen. Mm -hmm. That would be the most ridiculous thing to say at week 40. Oh, I guess I'm not going to have a baby. Hello. You know? It's, you know, it's the longer you have to wait, the more expectant you should become. Exactly. The greater the expectation. Because, you know, I always ask people who really knew when they got pregnant. It's just a good guess, you know. Yeah, yeah. Nobody keeping tab, really. So it's, it's just amazing. <laughs> I have to tell you, my prayers is out to the universe because I know God has it in the plan for me to be in the mountains. and. <laughs> He's going to let me know when it's right. He's just going to get all my substance and all my resources intact for that to happen. So I look forward to that. And for the I, listeners who don't know what you're talking about, why don't you tell them what you mean? Well, for those listeners who don't know what you're talking about, you okay, might want to explain that. Okay, you want me that. to just tell them. Yeah, tell them what you're planning. Leslie does retreat where... He, ha, she, oh boy, I can't believe I just changed your gender. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> she, um, she invites people to join her in a very positive isolation week when she helps you to extract that book out of you. And it's just a healthy weekend where you spend, it is um, spiritually empowered, um, nutritionally empowered, and it's you and Leslie and God and the Spirit up there working your stuff. So when you come out of that, you're really empowered, you're extra developed. And I know I haven't been there yet, but from the lineup of people who was on the last list, I know this is a weekend that is worth it. And I can't wait to hear about the book that came out of that weekend with the last people that was yeah. there with you. It was amazing. It was amazing, and I look forward to next week I'm going back. And, you know, it's interesting because I think 
one of the reasons that the Jackrabbit Factor sequel is not complete is because I have women to meet on these retreats. I mean, I'm going to the mountains to work on my book, but I don't like to go alone. That's why I invite one person to come with me, that we can both be working on books at the same time mm-hmm. and bouncing ideas off each other and being in a mastermind situation to get the kinds of ideas that God would want us to portray in these books. Yes, yes. I just want to thank you for devoting your time and for believing in other women and other people that they can reach the greater heights in all the things that they are doing. That speaks volume about who you are and your belief in other human beings. So I'm just so thankful for that and for being part of your network. and can't wait for my week to be up in the mountains. So. I look forward to it. That will be fun. <laughs> if I know it will be. Okay, Leslie, if you would give a checklist of stepping out of your comfort zone, because I know there are people on this call, they are successful in what they are doing, but it's like they kind of hit the plateau and they stop growing. Mm-hmm. And if you would give a list, Leslie, a checklist, if you may, that they can use to kind of ruffle their feathers a little and yeah. see some more growth, what would that okay. checklist look like? First of all, I am convinced that we have challenges and trials in this life for the sole purpose of creating desire mm-hmm. in our hearts for something better. If things were perfect and we never had challenges, we would have no incentive to grow. And so the first thing on the checklist would be look at the things that are dissatisfying in your life Mm -hmm. and make a list of those things that you would like changed. Maybe you would like to be healthier. Maybe you would like to be smarter. Maybe you would like to have a wider network of supportive friends. Maybe you would like your relationship and your marriage to be stronger. Whatever it is, if there is some level of discontent, then write that down because that is your first gift, is to look at that discontent as the gift that is making you aware of something that could be better. And then the second thing would be to create in your mind a vision or a picture on the screen of your mind of what it would look like if that was the way you wanted it to be. Now, here's something that I want to stop and make sure that you understand. I'm not talking about, okay, yeah, stronger relationship. Okay, I want a stronger relationship in my marriage. Got it. Okay, what's the next step? No, stop there. Stronger relationship in your marriage. What does that look like? If it were that way today, what would be different? And you need to play the video on the screen of your mind. And that is one of the laws that I'm talking about. God has given us a creative mind that has the ability of placing a picture on the screen of your mind of your choosing. And you have to choose a picture of the way you want it to be. You have to take the time to put it there. That is like going to Amazon.com and saying, I want a book. And you have to put in the search window some kind of a keyword that will bring up the right page. Well, putting the image on the screen of your mind is like putting what you want in the search box Uh at Amazon.com. You've got to do it. You can't just go to Amazon.com, sit there in front of your screen and say, I want Catcher in the Rye, and wait for something to happen. Nothing will happen if you just speak it. Nothing will happen if you just talk about it. Nothing will happen if you just complain that it's not there. 
you've got to do something, and doing something means putting the image on the screen of your mind. And you'll find out, if you've never done this on purpose before, that it takes a lot of work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It Mm -hmm. takes a lot of work to control your thoughts that can be so random and so scattered and jumping from one topic to another all the time, but to stop, to calm your mind long enough to see that image come to view, kind of like a Polaroid that comes out of the camera and you have to sit and wait for it to come into view and go from black to full color. Mm -hmm. And you have to do that on the screen of your mind. Mm -hmm. And then you have to answer the question, how is that going to feel? How would it feel if, and write that down, how would it feel, underline feel three times, how would it feel if? That's important. And you can't answer that question until the image is clear. You'll find that. You'll try to answer that question, how would it feel if? And I'm not saying answer like, oh, it would feel great. No, you have to generate the feelings. You have to pretend like it's really there Mm -hmm. and generate those feelings. Now, these are spiritual principles. You're activating something spiritual when you do that. You're sending this request in a spiritual way to God. And then when you speak the word of prayer and you say, Dear Father, this is what I see. This is what I'm asking for. Thank you for all that I have. Is this a good thing for me to request? And you can ask that question. Sometimes people are afraid of asking for something because what if God doesn't want it for me? I don't Mm -hmm. want to displease him. Go ahead and find out. Put it on the screen of your mind and ask, Is this right for me? And you will feel... If it is right for you, you will feel overcome with joy because Mm -hmm. those feelings of how it would feel will fill your soul and you will know that it is good. Nobody could convince you that it is wrong after you feel that. Nobody could talk you out of knowing that it is right for you. Mm -hmm. And once you get that confirmation, then go ahead and ask and allow him to open your mind to what your next step might be. Now, let me just take a little segue here for a minute and make the point, and I don't know if this kind of fits in as a checklist item, but it's something that I need to explain. And that is that your subconscious mind is continually running programs that keep Mm -hmm. you alive, that keep you safe, that keep your heart beating all day long. Thank heavens you didn't have to remind yourself to beat your heart. (laughs) We would not be on the show right now. (laughs) It's not something that is on your conscious checklist, and thank heavens. And you don't have to remind yourself to breathe at night. Most people, (laughs) you know. And so your subconscious mind also keeps you safe in other ways, according to its understanding of what safe means. Okay, so whatever has become habitual in your life, subconsciously is a safe place for you. Mm -hmm. Even if it means you're in an abusive relationship. Subconsciously, you feel safer there because you don't know what elsewhere may look like. It may be worse. Mm. And so subconsciously, you have a program that says, You need to stay right here because it's the devil you know. And that's the same financially as well. You might be broke. You may be destitute. You may be in poverty and struggling. But subconsciously, you're right at home. Mm -hmm. And I know people struggle with that. They're saying, no, I can't stand this. Something has to change. Well, consciously, you're screaming. Something has to change. Subconsciously, you're saying, I'm perfectly at peace right here. Because, and here's how you know. When an opportunity comes along that you know in your heart would be a good thing for you to do to step out, but something inside of you says, no, that's too scary, that's your subconscious mind trying to keep you safe. Mm -hmm. And again, safe is not always reality, the real safe. It's just, again, a habit. 
So here's what happens. Once you have an image on the screen of your mind of how things can be, and you've had that feeling in your heart that says, yes, this is good for you, this is good for your soul, it would be a good thing for you to experience that in reality, you have that confirmation, you have changed the state of you. People feel differently around you when you are a dreamer. They have a different energy that they feel when they're with you. They feel like you're going somewhere. They may not be able to put their finger on it, but you are an advancing person and they know it. And they want to be around that because it's a stream that they want to be a part of. But when you have put on the screen of your mind and allowed yourself to feel a picture of how things can be better, how your relationship can be better, what that would feel like, or your finances, anything, your health, then you are going to be brought, and you can count on this, you will eventually be brought an opportunity that says, here, this is something you can do that will lead you closer to that picture. And it might not be that blatantly obvious. Here it is. Here's what's in response to your picture. But it will be something that will resonate with you Mm -hmm. as something that would be good and right for you to do. Now, the next thing is that you have to take action. When your physical body goes to take action on the new idea, that subconscious program is wrestling with two truths. The first truth is, and I'll take the example of finances, my truth is I am always broke. That may be the habit, okay? You may be saying to yourself constantly, oh, I'm always broke, I never have enough money. And the more you say that, the more that is your subconscious reality and that is more of what is safe. Okay, you're telling your mind all the time, I am safest when I am broke, when you say, I am always broke. Okay, Mm -hmm. so stop saying that. And when you decide, no, I am wealthy, and put it in present tense. When you're thinking of your new reality that you want, you have to think about it as though it is actually true because truthfully, your subconscious mind cannot tell the difference between an experience that is imagined and an experience that is actually true. And Mm -hmm. since it's our subconscious mind that controls our results, And as long as we're lying to it all day anyway, I'm always broke. You know, Mm -hmm. life is abundance. If you're saying you're broke, you're lying to your subconscious mind because it's not true. So let's give it a new truth that I am wealthy, I have all I need. Now, if you feel like you're lying, don't worry. You're telling the truth. You just have to kind of overcome that. You're telling the truth, and you're convincing your subconscious mind of your new accepted truth. Don't you think that there are things in your subconscious mind you've accepted as truth that are not true? Maybe something you were told as a child, oh, you'll never amount to anything. Okay, that was a lie. But when we're children, we don't have a filter on what comes into our subconscious mind. We accept everything as truth. That's right. So we have to believe that if our life is not what we want it to be, that somewhere in our subconscious programs is a lie that has played out. Mm -hmm. And we're going to reprogram. We're going to give it a new program to run. Just like on a computer, there are programs in the background that don't necessarily have to be running. They may never go away, but they don't have to run, and you can upload a new program. So you give it a new program, I am wealthy, and affirmations, constantly telling yourself that can help, but more powerfully is when you just take the time to visualize it and feel it and allow yourself to let that settle into the subconscious mind and not reject it as, oh, I'm telling myself this affirmation that is not true, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, you've got to stop those thoughts and just say, no, I accept this as my new truth. I'm not going to cast this out with my unbelief. So with two programs in your subconscious mind, one saying I am always broke and one saying I am wealthy, 
on a subconscious level, when there are two contrary truths accepted, it mm-hmm. manifests in the body as anxiety. So think about it. When an opportunity comes along that you could take action on, but it may be uncomfortable because it may require an investment, it may require getting out of your comfort zone, it may require talking to someone that you're afraid of, you know, for whatever reason, this action that you take is going to create this anxiety because all of a sudden a new program is dominating and your subconscious mind is saying, whoa, 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 that's not safe, that's not safe. Mm. But just remember that all it is is two subconscious programs that have been accepted as truth that contradict each other. other. It's a physiological response is this anxiety. That's all it is. You knew on a spiritual level that it was right when you considered it. Right. On a physical level, you have a physiological response of anxiety. And what I've decided is that when I feel anxiety, when I'm about to take action on a new truth, when I'm about to demonstrate my faith by my action, that this physiological response is nothing more than evidence that I am this close to breaking through. Right. And you take action anyway, and you find out that that new idea can dominate by your action. And in fact, that anxiety is also evidence that you have successfully turned over the new program to your subconscious mind. So instead of looking at the anxiety, the physiological anxiety, as a negative, which is what most people do, they say, oh, this must be wrong, I'm going to go back to my comfort zone, and then you're trapped forever in bondage to circumstances. No, you say instead, oh, I know what this is, and it's a positive in my life because I know what it is and I am aware And I will take action anyway because on the other side of this is my breakthrough. And that is the process that allowed my husband and I to triple our income in three months after seven years of bondage. Amazing. And and those opportunities will cross your path daily. You'll have an opportunity today to take action on this new idea. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much, Leslie. I pray that people will go back and... They will download this and they will re-listen, re-listen, re-listen. Because I think the reason a lot of people can't get out of that bondage is because instead of understanding what's truth in our subconscious and what's not and how to convert them, is that we keep adding a lot of what's not truth in the subconscious because we keep going to all these people who don't understand about themselves and what it takes for them to excel. We keep going to them to ask for their approval to step out from where we are to become who God intended us to be. And they tell us again, oh, please, why should you do all of that? So now you have just given us a process that can help us to overcome that instead of going to seek for other people's approval. We thank you so much for this information. Thank you. That's powerful stuff. And it's so simple. And truthfully, don't you think that God's answers should be simple? It's simple. It goes back to what I mentioned earlier on when you asked me the question about how I help people to understand what to do and how to find out their purpose and all of that. Every time, it never fails, Leslie. People look me in the eye and they say, Daphne, I cannot believe it is this simple. <laughs> I know. I couldn't believe it. I knew this my entire life. I was not looking that it was something 
that is so simple. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He have all the plan in action, and he created us. We just need to follow what it is he wants us to do. It's all laid out there, step by step. But we're trying to logically figure everything out in our head, and that's what trips us up again. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and if you look historically, when has he ever taught his people and worked with his prophets in a fashion that he says, okay, let me show you how this is all going to play out. Now, here's your step-by-step. No, it's never that way. He tells them what he expects, the end results. Okay, Gideon, I expect you to defeat the Midianites. And by the way, I've already delivered them into your hand. Notice present tense. Present tense. That's right. I have already delivered them into your hand before the battle had even begun. Exactly. And Gideon had, what, 32,000 men that he was going to take to battle. And God said... Go to your people, and I want you to talk to the soldiers and find out which ones are fearful and send Mm -hmm. them home because Mm -hmm. it would be better to fight the battle with a few people who are faithful than to have a multitude with fear. And I think of our thoughts like little soldiers. So when you're going to accomplish a goal, the first step is to cast away the fear. You have no place in your battle for fear. That's right. We are not alone. We are never alone. You know, we just need to step out bold. I just hope you are having as much fun as I am having because I think we are a match made in heaven. <laughs> I, You know, I am having a lot of fun. And I love that the more impossible the task, the more glory to God. Because if you've studied Gideon and the Midianites, he then said, okay, now, you know what, you have 10,000 men, that's still too many. Take the men to the water and watch how they drink. And for those who drink this way, keep them. For those who drink that way, send them home. He says, because if you were to win the battle with this many people, you'd think it was your own strength. (laughs) (laughs) He ended up with 300 men to fight Mm -hmm. the Midianites. And because God is smart and he has strategies that are beyond our comprehension, Mm-hmm. He did. He delivered the Midianites into his hand. And I look at finances. I keep going back to finances just because that was my background and where That's I discovered right. these principles, but they do apply to anything. And that is that the more impossible the task, the more opportunity the Lord has to show his hand in your life. Mm-hmm. And you've got to just take a deep breath and let go and let him carry you through it because he will make you victorious. You will conquer. And because of that, you will be able to teach others how to conquer. And why would not he want that for you? That's right. That's right. Leslie, I have a question for you. What is your take on tithing? Oh, it's absolutely critical. Let me explain it this way. Tithing, to give 10% of what you are blessed with, of your increase. The material wealth that we have is not ours anyway. It's our stewardship. And Mm -hmm. so God gives us this money, and even if it's only $3, if he gives you $3, if he loans it to you to see how you will be a steward over that, the first thing he asks is, just give me 10% back. Mm -hmm. Now, when we do that, you know, he uses it to build his kingdom. But besides that, he uses it to build you, to teach you faith in him. Now, if you pay tithing, that's not a promise that you will get wealthy, but let me tell you what it does do, what it has done for me, is it has given me confidence that I am pleasing God. And when I have done that, and when I do the things that give me confidence with the Lord, then I become more courageous to ask for his help in other things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's 
what he requires. He requires us to ask him in faith for the things we need. He knows what we need, and Mm -hmm. he could give it to us without us asking, but all he requires is for us to ask. I'm a strong believer in tithing, and it never fails every time I have conversation with some believers. (laughs) The people who are earning a little bit, they are all for it. But when I talk to the people that are earning a lot, <laughs> they're not supporting it. And I am such a strong believer like you, Leslie, that it is not always anyhow. And when we give tithes back, is we really just giving back to God what is His? Because if He was as selfish as we are as human beings, He would <laughs> not allow us to have any of that. Yeah. So... <laughs> It's not ours anyhow, so why don't we just give it up? And, you know, let me say this may be the very first opportunity to face that anxiety, that terror barrier that I talk about, that you may have a belief that I cannot afford to pay tithing. What if I were to put it this way? I can't afford not to. Now, when you have a bill to pay and you have tithing to pay and you have to choose one or the other, it is acting in faith to pay tithing. It requires faith to say, you know what, I am going to pay tithing first and I'm putting my trust in the Lord. And then get to work finding the way that the Lord has provided for you to meet your needs. Yes. You don't pay your tithing and sit on the couch and say, okay, God, where's the money? Oh, yeah. You got he to will get prepare a way, but action. you have to find the way. Action. I thank you, Leslie, for affirming that this morning because Spirit led me to ask that because I know there's somebody on this show that needed to hear that i don't know who you are or where you are but this was something that you needed to hear that you needed to come to peace with and i thank leslie for affirming that this morning that it's not about us it's not ours anyhow so just step out and do and give back what is his And if you start there, that will build your faith. You will see his hand in your life, and it will give you courage to do the next scary thing that he asks you to do. That's right. That's right. Would you take uh, 13 minutes to do your closing thoughts, please? Oh, wow. Closing (laughs) thoughts. There are no such thing as closing thoughts, Daphne. Summarizing. (laughs) Just summarize us. Well, first of all, I just want to encourage everyone who's listening to this to know that there is a way out of whatever it is you're facing. It exists, and it begins, the whole process of coming out of it begins with believing that there is a way. Because I have seen people, and it pains me to see this, but I have seen people say, oh, I'm in this horrible, horrible situation, and I guess I'm just going to have to settle in. Now, yes, there is a place for that, and it came in my life when I had attended seven years of more than 100 seminars, and I didn't see the change that I was looking for, and it was discouraging. And when I was discouraged, and I had set my goals, and they hadn't come true, and I thought, you know what, I guess I'm just going to have to learn how to be happy here. Now, that is a true principle. It is important to be able to do that, but what I'm talking about is people who say, life is miserable, I hate my life, and I can't change it. Okay, so yes, you have to be happy and grateful where you're at. You need to learn to live in peace the way things are. And I will say this. I think we may have mentioned this before, but the movie Facing the Giants. Mm. Daphne, I know you don't like movies, but have you seen that one? 
Yeah, I, I saw that once. Facing the Giants, and if you haven't seen it, go find it. It's almost anywhere you want to look because it has just spread like wildfire. That one, you will come away from that movie trusting the Lord with your life, and you will come away with it feeling like you can accomplish anything with his help. But there is one scene in there, and I'm going to tell you what to look for. When the wife, she wants to have a baby, and she has just gone to the doctor and was just told that it was not successful, and she was devastated, and she goes out to the car, and she says something in prayer. And I want you to go look it up, find it, see what she says. And you have to approach your goals with the same attitude that she has. So this is your homework assignment. You didn't think you were going to get one. But that is a homework assignment. To go find that movie, watch that scene, and find out how she feels in that moment so that you can adopt that same feeling in your life when you approach your goals. Find peace now, the way things are. Decide that you will serve the Lord the way things are, even as horrible as they may be, you're going to do your best. Make that commitment to do your best even as things are. And start making plans for change. Expect that you will find the way because it exists. God has so many more answers for us than we have room to receive them. And every challenge that we face is Him carving a place, painfully sometimes, carving a place out of our heart for the answer that He wants to give us. He's creating by making a hole in our heart. Have you ever felt empty? Have you ever felt that dark hole that just is hungering for something? He has created that space, and he has something to fill it with. But he can't give you the answers if you are saying, there's no way I can't pay tithing. There is no way I can't pay my bills. There is no way I can't set boundaries in my life for how people treat me. Whatever it is that is holding you back from becoming all that you were meant to become and for experiencing all the joy that God has to offer, expect to find it and do not give up until you find it. If it takes you till your dying breath and if it takes you 40 years, do not give up until you find it because it is there for you. And life is so short anyway, it's a pursuit worth seeking. And you will be glad that you didn't give up and you'll find out that you won't have to wait 40 years, most likely. You may have to wait two days. (laughs) You may have to wait ten months. There are some goals that I set that I thought were only two months away, and they were actually five years away. But they were worth pursuing. That's right. They were worth pursuing. So that's the first thing is to believe that there is a way out. And the second is invest in yourself. Invest in you. You are worth it. No matter what anybody's ever told you, you are worth investing in, whether that be financially whether that be just with time, with energy, but build you because if you build you, you become more useful in the hands of the Lord. And there is no feeling like feeling like you're being useful to the Lord. There is nothing to compare with that. Daphne, you live that. Thank you, Leslie. Would you agree that there is no feeling that can compare? Absolutely. Absolutely no feeling. You know, a lady said to me last week, you're always on a high. I said, because I'm so passionate about all of you. She said, said, what do you mean? I said, every day I wake up and I talk to one person, I learn so much more. And she said, where do you get all your energy from? Mm. And I said, you know, I believe in what I do. And I say, honestly, 
I have to say it's the God who lives inside of me. It's not about me, but it's the God that lives inside of me and that what gives me that energy so that I can be a joy to be around. Because people don't want to be around grouches and people who are grumpy and complaining. So I always tell myself, I might be the only Bible that some people read. Mm-hmm. I might be the only smiling face that they see today. Yeah. And I want to really make an impact in their life so that they can have an enjoyable day. You know, I was just thinking that some people, you probably hand them a million dollars, and it wouldn't mean anything to them. Mm-hmm. But just giving them a nice, bright smile would put more value in their life. And I'll add, too, that there is a formula for financial success, for financial capital, mm-hmm. and it's mental capital combined with relationship capital turns into financial capital. So instead of focusing on finding the money, finding the money, finding the money, build your mental capital, invest in you, mm-hmm. improve your value in what you know and in how you serve. And then relationship capital is building relationships, and you do that through service, smiling, through lifting someone up, and as you do that, you will be led to the connections that bring you the money you need. And it begins with trusting in that process. And, you know, you say that sometimes you skip meals because you're just energized with this spirit that works through you. I didn't eat this morning either. (laughs) Sometimes it's inconvenient to feed the body because you're just so on fire with what comes through yes. the spirit. And there are principles of good health, too. You know, and with the short time we have left, I feel like I need to say this, that even after learning these principles, I still suffered from depression for some time. But I still felt God telling me in my heart to do and serve and to teach the principles, even when I was depressed and even when the money hadn't manifested. And I remember at one point feeling like I needed to put on a workshop or a seminar. And I thought, are you kidding me? I am the grumpiest. I am the most negative person right now. I can't imagine teaching people how to think positive for prosperity. I can't imagine doing that. But the feeling didn't go away. And I thought, okay, all right. I will go through the motions of putting this together even though I don't feel right Even though I can't even see anybody wanting to come, I will do it anyway. And this is the thing, is that even when you don't think perfectly, even when you don't live all the laws perfectly, that's what Jesus Christ came to make up for, are the mistakes we make and our shortcomings. You can trust that God can make up the difference. Whatever your background is, I know, like I said, that there may be non-Christians listening to this. Oh, yes. And that is their prerogative, and everybody gets to believe how they choose, and I celebrate that. But you can trust that God has provided a way to bridge the gap between our mortal efforts Mm -hmm. and what perfection is. And I can tell you that that experience, that seminar, was my largest audience to that point. That's and that's right. when I learned that miracles happen when you are willing, even if you are not perfect, and especially right. if you are not perfect, because that is when God's glory is obvious. That's right. That's when it's obvious. If you think you're all that and can put it together on your own, right. no. you know, your results are going to be much better if it looks impossible. That's right. <laughs> so. Because the people in that audience, it's your imperfection was what they needed to come to their healing. 
Yeah. And it's always amazing, Leslie. It never ceases to amaze me how God just work all the little kinks out. He just has the way of just iron out all our little flaws. Yeah. And just delete us and just put her up on a pedestal where we would never climb to, no matter how we try. And it begins with thinking right. Like here you have circumstances and you think, oh, I could never do that because I'm not good enough. Or you could say, I'm not good enough, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do my best and trust that God can make something out of it. Exactly. And that's the difference. Yeah, we just need to show up. That's all. Be present. And And he will do the work in you. Oh, Leslie. Just remind them of your website, and oh my gosh, I just hope I get to spend more time with you. Oh, <laughs> good. I mean, yes. you and I could be talking for 16 hours without. Oh, a- I know. I know. And then we just need to record it and have someone make a book. Oh, yes. <laughs> we just got to do something. God is so good. I thank God that night when I searched and found the Jackrabbit Factor. I just thank Him. I. I've been following your work for years, your newsletter and everything. I just want to thank you for the investment in my listeners and myself, Leslie. You're very generous with your time. Oh, it brings me joy. I appreciate that. I pray continued success and prosperity on you and your family. And I hope to hear from our listeners today, jackrabbitfactor.com. Yes. I look forward to serving you further. Thank you. Thank you. And Leslie? Please know there's a platform here. Don't always wait for me to invite you. You can shoot me an email when you have something to say because I'll make a platform available for you, my sister. Thank you so much. I thank you for doing God's work, and I look for the growth in our relationship. I agree. Thank Thank you, you. and stay blessed. And for you listeners, I pray that you got the answers you came seeking this morning. You have a list that can help to turn your life around. Know that the power is in your hands. Stop passing blame. You can start where you are right now because you are destined for greatness. You were designed for a destiny. Follow it. I hope there is something that you have heard today that can help you to accomplish all the wonderful things that God has set out for you. This concludes today's episode of the Rare Faith Podcast. You've been listening to Leslie Householder, author of The Jackrabbit Factor, Portal to Genius, and Hidden Treasures, Heaven's Astonishing Help with Your Money Matters. All three books can be downloaded free at a rarekindoffaith.com. So tell your friends and join Leslie again next time as she goes even deeper into the principles that will help you change your life.